Hey, you're listening or watching our podcast. Picture this. It's a podcast, so you can open up your favorite podcasting app and search for Picture This and find it. And then you can listen to it while you're cooking or driving or working out or whatever. Cleaning, doing yard work. This week, uh, the topic is mirrorless versus DSLR, a topic people are already going to be angry about. Get out, just start punching stuff now so you don't take it out on me in the comments. Who makes all this anger possible, Chelsea? This podcast is sponsored by Squarespace. Whether you need a domain, website, or online store, make your next move with Squarespace. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com slash Tony and use the coupon code portfolio to get 10% off of your first purchase. Thanks for sponsoring us, Squarespace. First, I think the biggest difference between mirrorless cameras and DSLRs is, well, first, I guess I really got to start with a mirror, right? Yeah. DSLRs are this very old technology uh, that goes back well into the early film years where there would be a mirror that would bounce the light up to your eye. And at the time, that was super advanced because you could use a camera with a single lens and you'd literally be looking through the lens. But rather than having to, like, remove the film plate and look directly through the lens, you could just flip this mirror up or out of the way. And then it would direct it either to the film or to your eye, depending on whether the mirror was up or down. And this was pretty cool because, like I said, either you had to take out the film and put your face right where the film would be <laughs> or put like ground glass there to focus. Or you had to use like a twin lens design, like a TLR or rangefinders kind of have two different lenses, a separate lens that you look through. So with this SLR design, you could really make sure that you had focus and you could see exactly what your film was going to see. Um, Do you but, think people debated it then? Like, I don't need a, I don't need that. Oh, absolutely. Like people who shot with rangefinders yeah. and stuff, they thought SLRs were a, a large and clunky design because whatever the size of the film is, you need a mirror that's at least as big at a 45 degree angle to bounce the light up and through a prism. So suddenly these cameras had this extra efficiency where you could what you saw was what you were going to get on the film, but they became bigger and clunkier and that slowed some people down they made it less discreet slrs are also noisier because instead of just having a shutter they had to go clunk and move that big mirror out of the way uh but pros left and right pick them up like from the 60s i think they really started to get popular and so we saw all these pros shooting with these big cameras then uh come what like 10 15 years ago mirrorless interchangeable lens cameras started to take off because what they would, the way they worked is they got rid of that mirror and the sensor that you would use to take pictures in the digital camera world, it would take all that information and just show it to you through an electronic viewfinder instead of an optical viewfinder. This meant you no longer needed that mirror. You still got the benefits of looking directly through the lens and mirrorless camera systems were born and they were smaller and lighter because they didn't have to have this mirror. Uh, it also meant that uh, because you didn't have that mirror box, that space between the sensor and the lens where the mirror resided, it meant you could create some novel lens designs where the lens actually came a lot closer to the sensor itself, um, which could improve things with wide-angle lenses or it could just reduce the size overall. So there were all these sorts of benefits, but then there were brand-new lens systems mm-hmm. that didn't have any good lenses. There were brand-new camera makers brand new that maybe cameras. didn't know how to make cameras. They had some problems. I think they got a bad rap because of those growing pains. Um, and it's, it's been constantly changing ever since because those mirrorless camera makers didn't go away. They kept at it at the same time, 
we had smartphones come along and that changed everything too, because the initial niche for mirrorless cameras with it was that they were the smaller alternative for DSLR. So for a lot of time, a long time, people were getting mirrorless cameras to travel with or to bring out casually. And then when they got serious, they would use DSLRs. But as everybody started using their smartphone instead of a travel camera, that consumer market kind of eroded and mirrorless cameras stopped being about being small and they started getting bigger and bigger <laughs> to the point where the size differences have largely disappeared. Yeah, I mean, the the bodies are still mostly small. They're a little smaller than SLRs, but we have a couple of, of mirrorless cameras lined up here. And you'll see as we look at like an EM-1 versus a 5D, the EM-1 is substantially smaller. Even the A7, which is kind of Sony's pro uh, camera lineup, is a little bit smaller. Um, and the new Sony A9 that we just spent most of last week playing with is hmm. bigger than the A7, but still a little bit smaller than SLR. So yeah, I think it's substantially smaller looking at them, but that can work for and against the camera. Right. I mean, some people like it. They're taking street photos or they want to be discreet and they like a smaller camera. And some people they're fighting against a lot of psychology behind cameras. What do you think the psychology is? Well, a lot of people associate a big camera with a pro camera. In fact, I've even had people come up to me and say, oh, what camera do you recommend? I want a big one because I want better photos. And there are a lot of reasons why that would be. I mean, if you look at a sporting event or something, and you look at the cameras on the sidelines, there are huge cameras there. Um, Not just huge cameras, but huge lenses, which I've learned people just associate with the camera especially just the average person. If we're, if we have our camera and there's a big lens, people will say big camera, not big lens. Yeah. They have you ever heard say, have you ever heard someone say big lens? Uh, I actually, one time a camera nerd was there when somebody said big camera and they corrected them. They said, not a big camera. That's a big lens. <laughs> so yes, one time, one time. But my point is when people see a big setup, they think, big camera and they think of these professional events even i searched professional photographer and the pictures that came up even the angle that they use to take the picture exaggerates the size of the camera to make it bigger or they have um flashes attached or extra batteries or multiple cameras around their neck so bigger more is something that people on a very um simple level i think have learned to associate with professional And you could make the argument that it's only people that don't know photography, except when we were out taking pictures in the Everglades, a guy walked past us with his wife and they had this big setup. It was a DSLR with a a long lens and they were kind of eyeing us and they looked at our stuff. At the time was shooting with, I think, the Fuji X-T2 and what is it, a 50 to 140? They're like kind of telephoto zoom lens. I know a mirrorless system. I knew it was a mirrorless system, but I don't exactly remember which one since we use quite a few. Um, but as we walked away, I heard him say, I don't think they're professional because they look at their camera. <laughs> and we got a, a good chuckle out of it because we thought that was just kind of funny. Yeah. But there's de- that attitude is definitely there. And I think that some ph- photographers will judge you based on the gear that you have and then assume your skill level or your profession. Yeah. Photographers and non-photographers. I know talking to friends who are like full-time wedding photographers, it's a big deal, the type of camera they have, because some portion of their audience will simply judge them. If they were to walk in with a little tiny A6500, it might be completely capable, but they'll think, okay, this guy, I I have a camera like that. 
And there's this old psychology where the main job of the photographer is to be a camera operator. Mm-hmm. And that was true back, I don't know, 50s or 60s. That was just like, oh, can you properly expose it? That was the main task. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, oh, that's kind of automated. And the People still photographer focuses nice on picture. higher level stuff. You must have a good camera. Still happens, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... People want big cameras because they're perceived as pro, but we, I, I think you're saying we don't necessarily agree with that idea. I don't think a camera has to be big to accomplish great pictures. Especially not now. I mean, I wanted to remake this DSLR versus mirrorless video because the mirrorless market is changing so quickly and yeah. they're constantly updating and addressing the issues that people are having with the mirrorless systems. And I also think that people get really enraged about the versus aspect of it rather than, is this what's right for me? I don't or even, even know. for a particular task. Yeah, I don't know why people argue about it. You just have to know if it's right for you. Why worry about what other people prefer? Yeah, and really it's only a, if you're kind of a beginning photographer or an amateur, uh, your camera should be able to do everything. But as professionals get at higher levels, their their jobs become more niche and the cameras designed for them become more niche too. So sports cameras are sports cameras, portrait landscape cameras, you'd pick something different for all these different tasks assuming you have that luxury, but if you're working pro, you generally find a way to justify that. Um, So I guess in summary about size, mirrorless cameras, yes, they're smaller and people are going to make the argument they're smaller unless you put real glass on them, in which case they're no longer smaller. They're the same size as an SLR. And, and I think that's largely true. You know, here we have the Sony a seven with a proper 24 to 70 F2.8 on it. And at that point, it's really not much different than, any SLR with the same lens because the bulk of the size is the lens and there is no cheating that sort of optics. If you want the effect of a big telephoto lens or a big fast lens, you don't, mirrorless doesn't really make that smaller. If you want the same background blur, the same total light gathering capability, it's going to be big and you have no choice about that, whether it's an SLR or mirrorless. But I will say in the, in favor of mirrorless cameras, you have the option of putting a little pancake lens or something on it. Yeah. And so when you're going out to dinner, you can put a pancake lens on it and then you end up with a much smaller setup, whereas an SLR can never shrink beyond below a certain size. Yes, you can put big lenses on it and it doesn't matter, but you have the option. So I I find that a big advantage of mirrorless cameras. So they definitely win the size battle. And I also just want to bring up as part of that, uh, mirrorless cameras came out of this evolution where their main advantage was being smaller And so mirrorless camera manufacturers made small batteries in them because they didn't want a big, huge battery and a little camera that would offset the white benefits and all that. And as a result, mirrorless cameras have this reputation for having poor battery life. Uh, Mirrorless cameras also, they have an optical viewfinder that has to be on, whereas an SLR, you're literally just looking through a mirror. It doesn't, you don't have to turn it on to get yourself focused and to get the shot composed. The camera can be completely off and it works just fine. So that's an advantage of SLRs, but the solution was easy. Like just put bigger batteries in mirrorless cameras. And I don't know why it took so long, but when we look at, you know, the, the GH five has a great big battery. The EM one Mark two has a pretty big battery. The, um, Sony a nine that we looked at that battery lasted me forever. Yeah. It lasted. I, I, I took 6,500 shots on a single battery. <laughs> Granted, I was a little heavy with the shutter finger, but yeah, it lasted through a good four or five hours of constant shooting and some mixed video too. The battery was big enough. So that's an easy solution to fix. 
And this notion that mirrorless batteries don't last long is something we can put in the past. It's just some mirrorless manufacturers, for some reason, whatever, just package their cameras with a small battery. I think one of the big differences is whether you're using that optical viewfinder, which is literally a mirror and a prism just bouncing light to your eye, versus an electronic viewfinder, which is this much more complex and modern thing where the sensor has to capture all the light, process it through a chip of some kind, and then redisplay it through a little OLED or LCD panel that bounces out to your eye. Uh, using them, how do you feel about the differences? Which would I you rather have? I prefer the EVF. Mm, why? Um, let's say it's a really sunny day and I want to look review my pictures. It can be really hard to look at the screen on the back of your camera and see them. But if you're looking through the viewfinder, you can just see them. Um, and I also like that when it's dark, like if you're in a concert, yeah. if you have to review your pictures on the back of the camera, it lights everything up. But with a mirrorless camera, you can just use that looking. electronic viewfinder to review your pictures. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That is helpful. Um, I But I also, when I was using the OVF, I never, it wasn't a big deal to me. But I do think that the EVF is an, imp- an improvement. Yeah, I got, uh, obviously I got along fine for decades with an optical yeah. viewfinder and it worked fine. But every time I shoot mirrorless and then switch back to an SLR, because there are lots of reasons to go back to the SLRs, I always end up, uh, I miss it terribly. Mm-hmm. I always end up ruining some, some exposures because I forget that I'm not previewing the exposure in my DSLR viewfinder. That's such a huge advantage to every type of photographer to really what you see is what you get. Yeah. And I feel like if you're experienced, you pretty much know what you're going to get anyways. But I think especially if you're learning, it's nice to dial in your settings and then see immediately if you've made the right choice. I don't know. Uh, yes. I mean, you're right. You can be shooting a snowy scene and know, okay, I have to add a stop of exposure exposure compensation here. But what always gets me is I'll forget that. And then I'll go take a different type of picture and I'll forget that I had exposure compensation turned on and take a couple of shots and realize I just overexposed them. It's, it's just one of those risk things. And yeah, you can be diligent about it and never miss it. But I think everybody at some point will make that kind of mistake. Um, I also say electronic viewfinders, you can display a histogram. In there. I do like that, yep. especially if there's tricky lighting and I'm not sure how much I want to expose the subject versus the background. Yeah. So you can like expose to the right and make sure that you really nail it and get the best possible exposure. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like a Panasonic GH5, you can uh, f- manually focus and it will detect that you're manually focusing and automatically zoom in for you. That's cool. So, yeah, then you can be 100% sure that your manual focusing is nailing it. You can also add things like focus peaking into the viewfinder. And if you switch between the screen on the back and the viewfinder, you get the same experience. You can have the exact same display switching between those. Whereas with an SLR, you look through the viewfinder, you get much faster focusing, but you get almost no electronic aids. And then you look at the back of the camera, you get slower focusing, and you get all these electronic aids. It's just, it's this weird, it has like two different ways to present the same information between the back of the camera and the optical viewfinder. Optical viewfinders have no lag whatsoever. It just bounces right up to your eye, whereas electronic viewfinders have to process it and send it on to you. And it used to be if you were trying to shoot sports or something, it could be difficult to keep the subject in the frame because there'd be so much lag. You'd be looking at what happened like a tenth of a second ago. Yeah. And tracking the subject was just kind of impossible. You would just fall behind. 
But I think that problem is completely gone in the latest generation of mirrorless cameras that have just no lag. And I feel totally comfortable using telephoto lenses and tracking moving subjects. You know what else was cool? The A9 had no blackout. So if you're trying to track something and take pictures, uh, you're not getting that black frame in between your pictures, which if, if you're, if you ever photograph something really fast, like a diving bird or something, um, you can lose them a little bit, maybe not a lot, maybe just a little bit and you clip off a wing or you clip off a foot or something, but it's just like, you're not taking a picture. You are just straight up tracking and you're taking pictures at the same time. That's technology that I think will be integrated into more mirrorless cameras. Cause it's pretty cool. Yeah. That no blackout was not a major point of sale for the camera, I feel like, but I think it's an absolute game changer. That was cool. I that shot was... uh, my D500, which is an SLR, and has that blackout. It shoots 10 frames a second, which means 10 times a second you're being presented with a black screen. Yeah, but you know what's funny? When I was using the D500 and other cameras to get wildlife pictures, I never thought about the blackout. It became a part of the process. Yeah. Like you're like almost moving a little faster to accommodate for it. Yeah. And I would sometimes clip something and you're just kind of like, oh, that happens. One of these, hope it's right. But like technology is giving me things I didn't know I wanted. And and that is the kind of like people have been using SLRs for sports and wildlife forever, <laughs> basically. And it's weird to say that we found something new and now we can't live without it. Like, of course we can live without it. Yeah, but I get that from my grandma because she has a dishwasher, but she just uses it to store Tupperware. And she's like, what do you need that for? Just use your hands. It's like, I don't need it, but I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And if you were to use the A9 with that no viewfinder blackout, you would like it, especially if you're a sports shooter or something. It's yeah, it's nice. But yeah, you can, you can live without it. I can just hear the rage comments in my head right now. A real photographer wouldn't need it. Right. (laughs) And yeah, you don't need it. You don't need it. No, in fact, you can probably get it done with just about any camera. You don't need it, but yeah, it's a nice to have. You don't need dessert, but who wants to live their life like that? You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, Autofocus systems, for the longest time, SLRs have been so much better than mirrorless cameras. And especially when they were new, mirrorless cameras had terrible autofocus. I thought I'd never switch for that reason. Yeah, I've been concerned about that too. And um, in the beginning, we just wouldn't use mirrorless cameras. And then they got better and better. For action. Um, oh, I, well, the first mirrorless cameras, I didn't like them for anything. Yeah. But then they got better and better. And, you know, like we got the A6300 and that was pretty good. And suddenly that, the A7R2 from Sony, uh, I felt comfortable just using it for day-to-day casual stuff. And in other words, I never got frustrated with it. Um, it was it was good enough that it was fun and it, m- focusing problems never distracted me. They were good enough. But then if I were shooting our daughter's soccer game, I would go back and get an SLR. Yeah. Um, I know not everyone has that privilege, but that's what we do. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's why it's a useful, our perspective is useful because as, especially as camera reviewers, we have more cameras than we would ever have otherwise. But when we're not reviewing something, we can just pick up basically whichever camera we want for a given task. And those are very unbiased moments when nobody's watching you and you just go and pick up some kind of camera whatever camera you like for that. Um, So for lately for travel stuff, it's been the Fujifilm X-T2, a mirrorless camera. I just love using it. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. And there's absolutely nothing frustrating about it. Um, But for my kid's soccer game, it's a Nikon D500. It's an SLR. Um, And again, 
I hate to keep bringing it back to the A9. Um, I Sony A9. I want one. Yeah. I know you, you you weren't sure if you wanted one, but you're getting one. Well, yeah, we have been debating whether to buy the A9, but uh, especially after switching back to every other camera, I'm like, oh, I really miss the A9 now. Um, anyway, the autofocus system in it is SLR-like, like top-end SLR-like, like as good as a D5, as good as a D500, as good as a 1DX. And I wouldn't say that about the GH5 or the EM1 or the X-T2. They have awesome autofocus systems, but they don't match these top end sports cameras where that is their main job. And the A9 really did. And for me, that changed my perspective on the entire mirrorless lineup because I didn't think that was going to be possible. Like I, SLRs have a separate, that mirror, people don't know this, but the mirror is semi-translucent. It bounces some light in a different direction that goes to uh, off-sensor focusing system, phase attack system. And that can kind of see light from different angles. And it's particularly effective at judging how far out of focus big telephoto lenses are. And my understanding of how camera tech worked told me that it would be impossible to get as good a focusing from on sensor focusing systems that mirrorless camera cameras use as SLR. So I thought did it. I'll probably be using SLRs forever for sports and wildlife. I don't think so. But yeah, I don't even know exactly how the A9 does it, but it did it. It was If people think we're SLRs. fanboying and fangirling right now, just go to our other mirrorless videos. We have never talked up an autofocusing system. <laughs> no, go I watch any psyched. of our Sony videos. I was psyched. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was genuinely amazing. And so the A9 is a $4,500 camera that doesn't have a whole lot of sports lenses. So I don't know that we're going to see a massive number of people buying it for that purpose, but we now see that the technology can work. We and also see that they can make great glass. Yeah. So let's just the glass keep pushing them too. to put out some glass that we need. Yeah. So as we look forward, yeah, we're going to get those things. We're going to have more cameras. Uh, Sony's proven the mirrorless tech can work for that stuff. And I and think DSLR that will change people everything. Don't, don't freak out. Your cameras still do stuff too. Um, certainly at the a D500, lower price point. Yeah. Like the D500 has an amazing autofocus system and it comes in at like two grand. Yeah. And you can't, well, there's really only the A9 right now that can keep up, and it's yeah. a $4,500 camera. So that value is part of it. Expansive. Yeah. Oh, and on the topic of autofocus, uh, eye detection autofocus. You is, liked that. Yeah, Nikons have some system that can kind of detect the eyes, but they're using the metering system, and I don't find that it works as well. It's not at your level. Yeah. Okay. But especially in the A9, for me, as a when I'm shooting portraits, with a DSLR, the the process tends to be like move the thumbstick over to the eye, focus, shoot, and then maybe you decide to recompose a shot. Maybe you take change the zoom. Move it. Yep. And then it's thumbstick, thumbstick. Or you d choose one of those modes where it's just like, I'm going to focus on it. It's like got ADD like me. It's like a dog off in the background. <laughs> You're like, no, that is not what I wanted in focus. I can't handle those autofocusing systems. Or methods. Oh, that just pick the focusing point yes. for you. Well, yeah, we're single autofocus people. I want to meet point. the chill, chill people that can just handle that life. Because <laughs> I lose my mind. Yeah. They're um, more chill than you. It, they Those mirrorless cameras can also autofocus like right to the corners. Whereas SLRs tend to have the focusing points kind of clustered around them. That will spoil middle. you. Yep, so you end Truly. up like focusing and recomposing and that works. But it's a slower process. It means you focus, you recompose, you shoot, and... Depending on your style, that works. But if you like to just Ooh. shoot really fast. Tony was just making fun of me because I 
have so many movements that I can't have a mic in front of me. Yeah. Uh, what are you guys She's doing? a quarter Italian and it, it ended up in her hands, I think. <laughs> it's all in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Lenses are a big differentiator between SLRs and, and mirrorless cameras. And Dang, we're still going? <laughs> in the Canon and Nikon world, they make these SLRs and they've been making them. Like the Nikon mountain has been around since what, the 50s, the F mount? And Canon's, the EOS system's been around since the 80s. So you have like 30 to 70 years of lenses to choose from this massive options. number of lenses. Yeah, but it's only like, I mean, unless you're going for the vintage look, which is very cool. I'm not putting it down. You, like the more modern lenses have the features that you want. Right. I wouldn't probably want to go back more than, I don't think any of our lenses are older designs than about like 15 years. Our little 400 F5.6 is go maybe back, 15 but years. I would want a certain vintage look specifically. I'm not going for anything else you know what i mean yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. if you're but as far as like practical lenses sure um you definitely have more lens choices that's true with the dslr yeah just just because the systems are older that's not an inherent difference between mirrorless cameras and slrs it's just the mirrorless systems are newer um fuji has been making awesome glass and in fact if you have an aps-c camera like a d5500 or a canon 7d uh, I don't think Canon and Nikon make any APS-C glass that can keep up with Fuji's APS-C glass. Um, but in the full-frame world, it's really it's mostly about Sony and their new G Master lenses as far as like professional lens choices. I like their G Master lenses a lot. Yeah, and I think the only problem with it is there just aren't that many of them. Uh, How many do they have now? Like four or five? 24 to 70, 7200, 85, uh, the 100 to 400. I'm maybe forgetting a couple. Yeah. But they're catching up. They're getting there. They're going to be producing more and more. But they're so doing I'm excited it, about that. They're doing it quality, too. So people are getting excited for the next lens, which yeah. I think is smart. It's a lot of good glass in the market. But I think for the, the, we'll still see just rows and rows of sports photographers shooting Canon and Nikon glass because they have like big telephoto primes that Sony just doesn't have. So we do have to wait for these lenses to come along before everybody can shoot. Just make sure they have the lenses you want before you decide to shoot. And we know why too. Like we have a 500 millimeter Canon lens Mm -hmm. and it's right now it's like an $8,000 lens and uh, it works great. So there's no reason to switch. So I could see why people just stay with what they have. Yeah. And for that reason, and and our big Nikon glass will still be shooting wildlife with DSLRs, even though I would love to have a mirrorless system and all the benefits that offers, it's, it's not an option now. And that's going to be the case for a lot of people. Can't we write Sony and tell them to put out a 500? You think I haven't done that? (laughs) You've done that? I did specifically. I was like, this would be an awesome wildlife camera. Do you think they'd do it if we wrote them a song about it? I, I think only you can make that happen. <laughs> I will say, because mirrorless cameras have with a shorter flange depth, the yeah. distance from the lens uh, to or from the back of the front of the camera to, to the, the sensor, to the sensor, yeah, there's room to stick adapters in there. So you can adapt pretty much any SLR lens to pretty much any mirrorless body. You can put Canon or Nikon glass or Pentax glass onto Sony or Fuji or Micro Four Thirds camera, um, and you get varying degrees of penalty with that though. Like sometimes you have no electronic control, like you can't control the aperture or the autofocus or you don't have image stabilization. But other times like Metabones make some adapters that work pretty good. The autofocus is never, at best, is never quite as good though. So there's always that, some penalty. You know that makes me angry. 
I know. What's more frustrating than going to get a quick shot and then having the autofocus system just decide it's going to hunt in and out and then the moment's gone. And but you're like, especially with something like wildlife, like you have a rhythm, you have a feel. And when your glass is that long, you just have this relationship with the camera glass setup where it takes practice to just boom, move your camera and that's in focus. Mm-hmm. And you know the speed and the meter. It's like it's almost like a dance you have with your camera at that point. Start throwing in anything different and unless you're willing to stick it out and practice and redo that whole acclimation process, it's frustrating. Yeah, and people who don't get people who don't get the importance of autofocus maybe don't understand that. Uh, like, well, they've never waited for hours and hours for a bird to come out of hiding for the light to be to right. Fly by and ruin your whole life. Yeah. And then when your camera's hunting and you miss a shot and it would be impossible ah. to manually focus it. And then you're like, okay, I could really benefit from a better autofocus system. It's not everybody, but for those purposes, yeah, that's not, we're not, you know, um, what you need. Uh, silent right now, shooting. Yeah. I don't see why SLRs can't implement silent electronic shutters but so far nobody has and so if you want silent shooting then they have a, a quieter mode they do but it's never that, it's quiet. that quiet it goes from like a clunk a clunk to like a clunk a clunk but with most new mirrorless cameras you can shoot completely silently and i absolutely love it except for during a portrait shoot because then your model's just like yeah you need, did we do need it? sound for that but if oh, you're, oh man um Anytime there's a press conference, you know, the president's speaking, right? And so there's a disadvantage that requires an electronic shutter, which can lead to rolling shutter, which makes everything kind of tilty if there's motion in the frame. And so far, every camera we've ever tested had that sort of rolling shutter, which meant you couldn't use it for any sort of action. It'd be okay for a press conference. Again, going back to the A9, they Sony has developed some new technology that we found allowed you to use a silent shutter with no penalty for rolling. It weirded me out at first. It froze action perfectly. Yeah. Complete silence. Yeah. You're used to that feedback. It turns on noise by default. They, they had to develop some new technologies. Like they will flash on the screen, a little black box that just shows you when you're taking pictures, like an outline. Cause otherwise you just literally wouldn't know. Cause there's no viewfinder blackout. There's no sound. Yeah. There's no view. People must have just been like, this camera's broken. That's why I ended up with 6,500 pictures. I, I just literally, I didn't get that audible or tactile feedback of the camera shaking and all that. And so a lot I just of ended up taking their way too many pictures. On just just because I think it takes a while to get used to it. Yeah, I had it just loud enough that I could hear it, but I wouldn't be disturbing people around me. Mm-hmm. I just, I need, anyway, that's a big advantage of mirrorless cameras that SLRs just don't have at the moment. Let's talk about our sponsor, Squarespace. Go for it. I have completely blown my voice <laughs> Can you say something about Squarespace? Yeah, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a domain, website, or online store, make your next move with Squarespace. They have beautiful, award-winning templates. They're known for their 24-7 customer support, excellent customer support. Uh, They make your photos look beautiful or whatever else you're trying to sell or do on there. And it's easy to use. If you can drag and drop... But, it was just the way you said whatever else you're doing whatever, there. Like, what are they up to wank, exactly? Wank. Um, maybe you have a restaurant or a law maybe, office or a doctor's office. Yeah. Chimney maybe sweeps. Maybe you're a podiatrist. You want to show off those feet. Whatever you're doing, they're going to make it look good. If you can drag and drop, you can make a Squarespace website. Also, did you know if you have a Squarespace website, you can make free logos? 
I did know that, but I'll pretend. No, tell me more about that. It's cool. That's all you need to know. <laughs> anyway. So you can make a logo and actually help start your business a little bit. They include it for you. It's a great logo maker. I like it a lot. Anyway, so you can start your free trial today. That's right. Free. Go to squarespace.com slash Tony and use the coupon code portfolio to get 10% off of your first purchase. It's easy. It's affordable. It's Squarespace. Thanks for sponsoring us, Squarespace. So we just went through this whole list, and I compared it to the outline I had made a couple of years ago, and it ended up being quite different. At the time, the last time I made it, I was like, yeah, clearly DSLRs are kind of where it's at still. And now I felt like I have to ask the question, are DSLRs dead? I don't think they're dead. Why not? Because I um, I think that people are really attached to the systems that they use. And I think a lot of people will continue to be brand loyal and they don't want to switch out all of their lenses and sell everything. It's like why I don't change banks. It's kind of a hassle and it's working pretty <laughs> fine. <laughs> so I think, yeah, lot, you're right. I think a lot of people will just stick with whatever system that they're with unless they're an early adapter or they see that some of the technology can really benefit them. So like street photographers, I think they'll really like them. Now sports photographers, if they come out with a little more glass, I think they're going to have to go to it. And I think more pros are going to move in that direction too. And we can kind of track the progression of mirrorless cameras and say, clearly in a couple of years, they'll be ahead of SLRs in every way, except that SLRs are going to be a moving target too. So I think once people use a camera like the A9, they'll realize the benefits of an electronic viewfinder and a silent shutter. And we might see SLRs that have those features. So we might actually see some technology moving from mirrorless cameras over to SLRs. So cat and mouse action? Yeah, exactly. Because everything is a back and forth. That's why competition is great for the world. That's why it's great when a different camera maker makes a great camera. Because your camera maker Has might to. be forced to respond. Yeah, even if you never want to move to mirrorless, you should be happy that they're improving because that means that your system will probably get better too. Um, nonetheless, I, I have a hard time imagining a m- flappy, loud mirror still being used like 10 years from now. I'm sure some people will be using them, but I, th- I, I would expect once we now that we've proven that there's no inherent disadvantage to doing away with that mirror, now that the A9 is pretty much a shown that the tech is possible, like it's feasible, I think future architectures will have to incorporate that. And maybe we can finally get rid of that mirror. You know what else I hate? You get get dust on the prism inside an SLR. You hate that? I I don't know why. I get way more dust on my prism and my mirror than I do in my sensor, maybe because the sensor kind of shakes it off. But I'm always looking through the viewfinder and I'm like, what's with all this dust and stuff? Yeah, you're dusty. You're a dusty (laughs) dude. Maybe it's just me. Um, where are the pros? Yeah, they're pretty much all using SLRs, right? A lot of them have invested in those systems, as I was saying. Um, yeah, and they don't tend to scrap, you know, $15,000 in lenses and flashes and everything just because some new shiny mirrorless cameras come out. It's, it's difficult. It's expensive to sell stuff and they just do what they like. So they don't necessarily reevaluate cameras every Every new release, like people who are into YouTube camera reviews do, they just try to get their job done. So I don't think a lot of pros are necessarily like gear nerds. They, Yeah, they generally are not. They're results nerds. It's yeah. like, does this make my client happy? Does this make me money? Does this make me happy? Yeah. Because um, I've definitely met pros where they just 
like a certain camera because they like it and it's not necessarily the sharpest or the fastest but they're happy i'll say uh amateurs enthusiasts hobbyists will often pick a camera body first based on features and they'll say oh this camera has a sensor shift and 42 megapixels i love that and then they'll go out and look for the glass but i'm like hello yeah where are you I, i've gotten so many questions from people who say oh i just bought the a7r2 because you said it was great what lens should i get for wildlife you're like oh you should have like, asked me that first yeah you made a mistake <laughs> uh whereas pros on the other hand tend to pick a lens first and then pick the best body to, to attach that lens mm, i so, pick a subject first you pick the subject <laughs> first then the lens then the lens then the body but if they're shooting a football game they might decide that they need a uh, 400 f2.8 or if they're shooting basketball, they might need, I don't know, a 51.2 or 200 F2, like these specialized lenses. And there are only so many of those. And they're pretty much made by Canon and Nikon. So they're going to be stuck with those bodies because as we change. talked about, adapting lenses doesn't always work great. It, yeah, it will change as more lenses come out. Um, also say mirrorless pro services just have not been sufficient. So we're a member of Canon and Icon professional services, and they give us loaner equipment when we need it. If there's a repair, they get a, a quick turnaround. They also give us discounts on repairs because that stuff, if you have a lot of gear, that stuff really can add up. And um, last year, sometimes Sony announced Sony's professional services. We're also a member of that. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't as expansive as the Canon and Pro Network. So I know Sony's working it. on it. Yeah, they, they just announced they're expanding it as well. But I don't know. I haven't dealt with it, so I don't know if it's good. Yeah, and, and I know it's still young. But at the same time, other mirrorless systems like Pentax doesn't seem to have that same sort of support network. Uh, Panasonic, Olympus, Fuji. Fuji. Uh, I, I, I guess I can't actually say I have never, I've never been approached by them for their pro services. But if they exist, it's probably not as extensive as Canon and Nikon. Mm. Like if you're shooting the Olympics, Canon and Nikon have service centers at that Olympics, you can walk in there. If you're in New York City, you can walk in a door and there will be a tech who will take your camera and give you a replacement and then you can walk right back out to the next shoot. Dang. They have that's like, service. yeah, physical places. And that's, that's a network that takes decades to build up. So it's no wonder that the smaller, newer companies haven't done it. It's not inherent in the mirrorless versus DSLR debate. It's just kind of more about the branding and the mm -hmm. longevity of We've it. It's something that takes life. on these companies. If you all want more podcast listening after this eight hours <laughs> that we're going to be doing. Okay. So why are so many people mad right now? Cause you know, some people wrote an angry comment and didn't even get to this part. Oh yeah. We're talking scroll to down you. Scroll down the comments and look we're at those angry ones. You. <laughs> I like this. We should do this in every one where we had them off. Yeah. Why are you angry? <laughs> Tell me about your mother. No, just kidding. Well, one of the reasons is that they like what they know. Why start to even have to think about some new company when you already know that you like your camera and you don't really want to change and you don't want to sell your stuff and you feel like your pictures are fine? How dare they say my system is antiquated? I hate the Northrops. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's my impression. Um, yeah. And the experiences that we've had are different from other people's experiences. So not everybody shoots wildlife and therefore they might never have run across autofocusing system problems with mirrorless cameras or they're maybe they always prefer to manually focus in which case mirrorless cameras are, are generally better because they offer you know magnification and that kind of thing Zebra. and 
And uh, no, literally no pro uses autofocus, according to YouTube commenters frequently. Well, that's just not true. Uh, so they might have different experiences, but I also say people root for the whole home team. If they voted with their dollars and they got Canon or they got Sony they or Fuji. with their dollars. I like that one. Yeah, they are that's going the to root for them. Jar. And anybody who says something against their team, they're going to be a little oh, upset. Gonna be angry. And you know what else? People are afraid of change. You know, mm -hmm. I remember when I was talking about electric cars with a gentleman at the gym, he was like, this is a fad. This is going away. I was like, no, Pat. His name is literally Pat. I was like, get the hell out of here, Pat. <laughs> it's not really related. I just wanted to tell Pat I'm still mad. <laughs> In summary, I, I, I think subscribe. <laughs> yeah, I think right now, sports and wildlife, you're probably still shooting a DSLR. Um, but for like casual photography, street photography, travel photography, landscapes, mirrorless can pretty much get it done. And then for things like portraits and weddings, it's ugh, those are tough because I feel like we're somewhere in between. I feel like the new Fuji system, the XE2 with some of the Fuji fast glass can be really good. They have dual memory cards and stuff. I think the uh, Sony A9 with its dual memory cards and great focusing could be great for portraits and weddings. But those are going to take time. And also you might end up, you could probably get in much cheaper with Canon and Icon because you could buy used lenses and you have third party lenses to choose from. So your dollar might not stretch quite as far in the mirrorless yeah. world at this point, but going forward, that'll even out over time. Okay. At this point in the podcast, I'd like you all to go down to the comments. And if you see an angry comment, just write, you are loved. And let's just see how weird that makes it. For Did you say you are loved? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's make them like, give them like an internet hug and maybe it'll work it out. That's a great idea. Thank Kill you. them with kindness. Yeah, right? just smother them with love. You know who else I love is Squarespace. They did make this podcast possible. So go to squarespace.com slash Tony and try your fee trial. And if you like it, I really think you will. It's going to make your pictures look great. Use the coupon code portfolio and get 10% off of your entire purchase. Thank you, Squarespace, for sponsoring us. And uh, be sure to look in your podcasting app for a picture of this so you can listen to it as you go. And it'll tell you there, when... Maybe give us a rating if you liked it. It'll also tell you when you... If you if you listen in a podcasting app, it will tell you when new episodes come out. So you can just look and be like, oh. My car ride. My car ride just got better. It'll even automatically download download them. So you get on the plane and you're they're like turn your phones that. off and I'm like, wait, I still have podcasts. I know. Remember when you were blown away by my climate change knowledge? It's cause Neil deGrasse Tyson taught me how to flight and I memorized it all. Wow, Charles. I know. I'm pretty cool guys. So subscribe down below and like your hearts out and we'll see you in our next video. All right. Thanks guys. Bye.